You've got hours left in your 20s, so get this out your system. I know, i got to find Tim. Before people start calling you problematic on Twitter. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Black in a Box podcast, the world as told by black faces in white spaces. In, maybe... White surroundings. It's almost Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost Christmas. I'm here, and Alana's here. I am. Dom's here. I'm here to celebrate Alana's last podcast in the 20s. Oh, come on. <laughs> really, we just dub that out. Rude. Yeah. Wow. We'll just dub Alana's voice going, 21? <laughs> <laughs> and Jello. Yeah, back again. Let's get it going. Let's get it popping. Uh, I've had a couple of conversations recently. In fact, I was on my way to work. We're only in two days a week. And someone just tapped me on the shoulder as I was uh, reading a book about the science of storytelling, which is a very good book. Mm. And I looked up and he's a friend of mine and he's just recently had a baby. And I was like, how's it all going? And he's like, yeah, I mean, it eats, sleeps, shits, does like just does baby stuff. But he's just like, I'm just having to get used to like living on no sleep whatsoever. I was like, well, I mean, that is what they say. He's like, the first night, the baby like had 10 shits in a night. <laughs> <laughs> I had to change the baby 10 times. I was like, bro, it's like, it's day one. Like, I mean, <laughs> this is going to happen. And then again, um, today, I texted a mate in November, on November the 2nd, saying, mate, I've just been looking in my cupboard. I've got your Christmas jumper, so you're going to have to see me. I know you've got a kid, but you're going to have to see me. And he just didn't message back. <laughs> and I got a text today saying, oh, shit, I thought you were being the rude one. I had not responded. <laughs> no one told me kids were like this. Just really tired. I was like, bro, this is like, this is a pattern. This is a pattern. And... It brings me on to my childhood and our childhood and the childhoods that our kids in the future are going to have. And I think it was probably Dominic suggested this and it's a really good topic because especially when you're a child uh, of, of parents from Jamaica, from Africa, and there are certain things about your upbringing which you want to carry over and taught you excellent skills for life there's certain aspects of your upbringing which the law has decided <laughs> shouldn't be able to continue and <laughs> exactly but it's interesting to see like what we feel has has stood us in good stead going forwards and how that has colored our sort of outlook going forward about what we want for our children I want for my children to get beaten. And <laughs> <laughs> now I think the main things about my childhood that I think have potentially given me a bit of a, a leg up in the world, may I say, and you kind of learn this as you get older. My mum used to always say, just remember that not everyone's had the same upbringing that you've had. It's manners, it's manners. Uh, <laughs> it's, I'll tell you one thing, it's, it's it's mad when you live with people who have boarded. Mm. Mm. 
nastiness. It's different, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> Manners, common sense, and cleanliness. Yeah. You would think that they were They're not uh, a given though, universal. They? They're not no. a given. They're not a given. But I think more importantly to this conversation, I look at the kind of situations that I found myself in as a kid versus what I want my children to kind of be immersed in. And one of the conversations that's come up quite a lot recently is private schooling versus public schooling. Um, on top of that, where I would like to raise my children. And for a lot of people, a lot of friends of mine, once they move away from home for university, they find a partner, have kids, and then they end up slowly coming back to their home place. And they raise their kids around where they grew up. I don't think I can do that. And I'd be interested to get your um, your opinions as well, because where we grew up, myself and Dan, was so white. <laughs> Being one of the only black people, people that weren't white in the whole school, I can't have that for my kids. All the conversations that we've had in the, what, two, three years that we've been doing this podcast, so many of them would have been avoided by just maybe even being 5%, maybe even being 10% of the school population. So for me, it's just one of those things where I, it is imperative for me to have my children go to a school where they don't stand out, where they can be judged based on their attainment, based on their character, before they're judged on the fact that, oh, you're the black kid. I think that's the most important thing for me. What do you think, Jello? I think you've been living in a dream world now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I th there's... So I'm very different to you, Dom, in that I don't want children. Um, I do not like, so I love this topic because obviously I know that we've got some really different uh, viewpoints on how the future's gonna go, but- Moving like Prince William. <laughs> <laughs> the man has three children and wants to lecture people about uh, overpopulation. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, no, just on that though, he's uh, lecturing Africa about overpopulation. Let's just do some stats. So. Uh, in Africa, the population density is about 36.4 people per kilometer. In uh, Asia, it's 100 people uh, per uh, per uh, kilometer. And in Europe, it's 72.9. So it's literally, uh, like literally half uh, of what it is in Europe. And this man has the, the bald-headed audacity to be kind of, sorry, Don. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that was all an elaborate setup. <laughs> this man has the audacity to be kind of talking about that. Um, and I know that I'm not alone in this. So uh, birth rates are declining um, in Europe. Uh, at the minute, uh, in the UK, there's about 1.58 children per woman, down from the post-war peak of 2.93. And when you kind of consider that for families, 22% of their income is spent on childcare. Uh, so there is just really not affordable childcare. I think the average for under... Children under three uh, spent on childcare is two hundred eighty-six pounds a week. Um, so, uh, and then, and, and then, but that's not even the reason I don't want to have kids. I kind of, I don't want to bring children into a planet that I don't think is going to be here in a decade. Preach, um, did all that. Um, so for me, problem, it's like my problem. <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow. So, um, and 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 then I think back to I. You know, I was raised by my mum. She did, uh, well, you can decide what kind of job she did. I think she did a great job. Um, but so many of the lessons that she taught me are lessons that I would hope not to have to teach uh, the next generation. Um, so much of the kind of, 
the lessons that she taught me were in response to awful things that no child should have to go through violence race I mean, violence because of things you can't change um I remember being told, being real young, three, four, and being told I couldn't play because my skin is brown. I remember being at secondary school and being terrorized, literally terrorized by my teachers who, who would bully me. They'd bully me because of my hair. They'd um, kind of you know, say that I was never gonna amount to anything, but in really loaded racial terms. And my mum did a great job of always kind of having my back and kind of always, you know, giving like supportive messages. And I, I hear what you're saying, Dom, about you want them to be, you want your kids to be raised around other black kids. I don't know how that is going to happen in England if you also want the best for them, because we know what the game is. Um, I've worked in private schools, I've worked in state schools. Um, the You need the nepotism of private schools. If you, like, and I'm not saying that people from, State schools can't make it, of course they can. Um, and maybe the halfway houses go to a state school in an exclusive postcode, which is basically a private school in all but name. Um, but, you know, there's that great line from The Wire um, that's said by uh, Marla, Marla Daniels. Um, the game is rigged, but you cannot lose if you do not play. And when it comes to kids, that's kind of how I feel, that there's just too much awful stuff happening when you're only 3% of a population and just not really cared about by either of the parties that have any reasonable chance of getting into power for it to be worth it. And I'm kind of warmed by the global warming and the fact that, you know, I think we've got about 10 years. Happy Christmas, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it a damn right? good 10 years. <laughs> Go out dancing. Woo. I was gonna say, in there, I want you to insert the she. She. <laughs> Alana, you were kind of nodding when I said about not having kids. What's yeah, well, some of them, I don't know, the jury's still out. Uh, maybe bad choice of words in me having kids. But um, I, yeah, I second what you were saying, Angelo. Like one of the big reasons why I am, well, honestly, the main reason I just, I just don't have like the maternal desire <laughs> like I just never have had the maternal instinct um and I see other things as sort of my like children my offspring so whether that be creative projects or just being a source of nurturing and comfort for the people already in existence I just don't really I don't know I'm on the fence maybe I will maybe I won't I might adopt or something like that but um a big reason yeah that I'm even more hesitant is because of the state of our planet. And I just don't want to contribute to that. Um, but even if I don't have my own children, um, I do see a value in being a mentor to younger people. I've spent through work some time um, working with kids, uh, trying to engage them in the industry that I'm in, um, especially kids who are at risk of not progressing past a certain age or a period in school. And I just found that work to be really rewarding. So if I did some sort of mentorship or working with younger people, um, I would definitely want to work with kids who are of color. Um, I think maybe because of my mixed heritage background, it doesn't really matter what the color is, but just people who are experiencing adversity for being um, a well global majority, as you say, Angelo. Um, 
And I don't know, some of the priorities for me are just having a sense of, I've been doing a lot of therapy work and in my therapy work, uh, basically a lot of my really terrible habits now or the things that kind of get in my way all stem from a sense of seeking external validation and not feeling like I am enough because of growing up like Dan and Dom in white spaces uh, where I was always seeking external validation. Um, and so I would just want to be somebody who can reach kids who might kind of go down that same path or have that similar experience and kind of help to develop their self-worth and that intrinsic internal self-value, really. Yeah. That is admirable. And I like completely sort of agree and understand where you're coming from in terms of like mentorship and it's something like I've started doing like in the last year and something you're sort of growing into and it's it's really sort of eye-opening in terms of realizing how much responsibility you start to feel uh, and how much impact you can make on people that you know aren't related to you and got the, the, there's no factor other than wanting to see someone else succeed and if anything, it's it's better that you're helping someone else's children that hasn't got that guidance than it is you bringing in more children into the world that someone else might have to help in future. Yeah. And this is it with the kind of declining birth rates. We're rapidly hurtling to a place where in 2050, uh, at current projections, um, a quarter of the population is going to be 65 or over. And so young people, they're just going to be doubly screwed. They're going to be doubly screwed because at the minute we live in a reality where old people decide who's in power. And then we're going to be doubly screwed for not having enough kids to be able to look after those same kind of old people. I'll do it. I'm Jamaican. Well, if I pick me. Girl, me one for just squeeze. No. Goodness <laughs> We're going to have to cut that because we can't get it cleared. Um, <laughs> well, no performance, it's fine. <laughs> what I will say is that in contrast to the other two, I am still available and I'm still <laughs> <laughs> potentially, you know. Potentially virile. Yeah, of, of good seed, good, good standing. <laughs> <Jesus> Christ. <laughs> um, Dom, we got to splice back in your clip. <laughs> Wait, it worked for him. It worked for, it worked for Dom. To go back to the topic, I, I will say that I think like the difference when I was growing up was, when I was growing up, when we were growing up, was the sense of community. And it was... Like this, you know, they say it takes a whole village to raise a child, and it speaks to what you're both saying over there. I feel that's been broken, and people don't like there isn't without chance. I know, like, there's, there is a, there's a lack of respect for anyone not connected to you, and you know, the, the and that way, it's I, I guess part of that is because people don't feel responsible for anyone else, everyone's become quite insular, yeah, and that's what I would want. If I, if you know, if I was to have kids, I would want to be in a place where there, where there is a, a sense of community, and I don't know how easily that's achieved in the UK today. Yeah, that's a good point. Because I, when I think black communities coming from the states, I'm like they're 
there. So I don't really have that, yeah, that yeah. experience of like, what is the black community here? And we actually talked about this on a previous episode of like, what is the black community? What does that look like? What does that even mean when you're black British? Yeah, which it's and it's also interesting too, because obviously you're three male identifying people and um myself as a woman i just met up with dora shout out to dora auntie d a friend friend of the pod we um we had a coffee today and we were talking about this exact thing and all the great work she's doing with ultra black running and trying to create a space and a community for black women and femmes and non-binary people and there's clearly a craving for that from black women and i think also um as a black woman and thinking about if I were to have kids or to adopt or whatever, I think it's almost easier to create a community um, for me because I, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's just something that's kind of within the sort of subconscious culture of black women mm. um, to create those sort of communities and spaces um, and especially for our children and next generations, but I don't know. What do you What do you think about that? The difference between I think the difficulty is is kind of it's I don't I I love the idea of community, but I don't like the idea of community almost as a protection against the rest of the world. Like I like the idea that yeah, we've got a community, but if we didn't have this community here, there's another space in the next space that we can go mm -hmm. to and we can experience and love that community. But when you grow up in you know, you guys grew up in Yorkshire. I did a lot of growing up in in Kent. It's not safe. It's just it's just not safe. And even small things like I, I was down visiting Mumsy, and I was taking some old pictures, and there was a picture of like one of my old sevens teams that I played for. And we're all smiling because we've won this tournament. But I remember that wasn't it wasn't a fun time. It was like I this the the and we've talked about it in terms of what is brought out through therapy and stuff. But there was just this always this extra pressure for me. Like I had to be strong. I had to be quick and. You know, if if I if, if we lost because I made a mistake, I felt like I'd let down the entire black community. Or, you know, you hear a news story and there's been a crime committed and you're like, please don't let me be black. Please don't let me be black. <sighs> yes. And and it's kind of you don't realise how much of that crap you're holding on to until you get a bit older and you're like, Why am I always anxious when I have to mm. choose clothes to go out when I'm going out with certain people? <laughs> um you know, and, and, and I think, so yeah, I love the idea that you can build a community and I think probably it, it is easier for 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 um, for women. But at the same time, it's like, there's still for me is a sadness there that kind of like, it's being done as a protection rather than mm. just as the joy of community. I think the sad thing for me is, and you both kind of touched on this, is with social mobility, as a black person growing up in a council estate and the likes, and you get to a position where you think, potentially I wanna send my kid to a better school than the one that I went to, or move to an area that's gonna have better schooling than the one that I went to. What happens is I feel like I'd be in that position and then all I'll end up doing is reverting to the childhood that I had and move into a predominantly white area. Um, and then my kid might go to a better school, might be surrounded by slightly smarter children have better sporting facilities but they're going to end up facing the same microaggressions every single day the same predominantly white teachers the same kid that stands out in every single class that they're in and that's the one thing that scares me because it's like do i want them to blend in do i want them to be do i want them to not have to be a minority in that class or do i want them to be in that position but then 
get the best grades that they could possibly get. And it's so difficult trying to plot which of those decisions that you'd make. It's, it's something that I've thought about because, like I've said to the few of you before, I'm in the process right now of figuring out where I want to settle in London, like long term. And being in my early 30s, that is one of the things that comes into it. It's like, would I want to raise a potential child here? And <laughs> honestly, it's like you're constantly just arguing with yourself because it's like, yeah, I'd want my kid to go here, but they're going to end up growing into a child that I don't necessarily want to want to bring into this world, either in a world, either in the way that they're going to resent where they've grown up, or they're going to resent the choices that I've made for them, and it's and it's just a difficult a difficult thing to try and broach. I think. I mean, the good news is wherever you kind of you know choose to settle, it'll be gentrified in a few years anyway. So I don't care where. And you're in ten, we won't even be here, so it's great. <laughs> this don't is it. Like you'd be like, bro, I didn't realize. Um, I didn't realize Hammersmith was by the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, it was a tweet from. I'd like to say, in fact, I can say it. I can say it he, from the friend of the pod <laughs> because, you know, of our tangential link through retweeting, it? multiple retweeter. Yeah. And Shay's a good friend of mine now. We're close like that. <laughs> Just close like that. When are you going to get on uh, on his pod? Oh, no skips. <laughs> I'm working on it, man. Okay. Yeah, it was a Shay Serrano tweet. And yeah, I put a picture of Kevin Costner. <laughs> The undisputed king of white saviors in movies, an astounding run, Hall of Fame numbers. And I sat down to think about it and I thought, he's right. <laughs> no one, no one has has quite put up for the blacks on screen like Kevin Costner. <laughs> he let black women take a good place. <laughs> And he changed the toilet. He took a sledgehammer to that to that toilet and said he could just change the sign. You know, I thought it was a bit excessive. But Prince of Thieves. Tom Hanks. What? <laughs> Kevin Costner. And he saved more than Freeman. He befriended him. He befriended a Moor in those days. And led him on a merry dance from the White Cliffs of Dover, past Hadrian's Wall. <laughs> oh, the other it side. seems like you're quite the Costner uh, <laughs> connoisseur. <laughs> He's got some bangers. Your knowledge of a film that is 30 years old is wild to me. It is Prince of Thieves. Yeah. Is, it's the original banger. So <laughs> I won't anything else. But yeah. So it's, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the subject of White Sabres was something I was thinking about as well, because recently I saw Dune and I'm sure others will get into that. It is a sprawling science fiction work where it's it's a space opera, essentially. But Paul Atreides, Timothy Chalamet, mm. plays <laughs> the chosen one. What was that, Lana? I, I do like to look at him, I do. He's He's just, I'm sorry, I do. I just heard I, your ovaries move. <laughs> 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 like Spice Adams. <laughs> <laughs> You've got hours left in your 20s, so it's out your system. I know, I gotta find him. Before people start calling you pro problematic on Twitter. <laughs> 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 yeah, he, his character plays uh, a, a conqueror of sorts, and just the, his whole air, his whole energy stinks 
and white privilege. Mm. They tell him not to go outside because he has poisonous. And what's he do? Walks outside. Yeah. And the guy's like, you can't go outside. You, 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 you're too pale, mate. Your skin's going to burn. And he's like, well, they can go outside. And he's like, look at them. <laughs> These guys are black. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. But yeah, it's... it. <laughs> <laughs> to someone who's not seen this film, this whole conversation is wild. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> it is. But uh, yeah, the the idea is that the black people just need saving. Mm. Always need saving. And even in films you see where they're the main protagonists, they're relegated to background dressing behind often a principled character, like such as in Amistad where they are saved by a change of legislation and we ignore the fact that it was white people that made them slaves in the first place <laughs> and, and, yeah. and murdered them all. Um, and also it's it's come across in television lots. Mother of Dragons. Yes, that's where, exactly what I was thinking. Talk to me. I was in for Game of Thrones, much like a lot of Western worlds, but... Um, I mean, yeah, you have Khaleesi who wants to, I mean, it is her ambition to release all of those heathen Dothraki, mm -hmm. <laughs> all people of color, by the way. Um, and oh, I don't know how to talk about this without there being a spoiler. So spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. For, have you guys seen it? What, Game of Thrones? Yeah. I'll, I'll, We're if, not if, doing spoilers. Spoiler alert for Game of Thrones. Okay, <laughs> but you know, I don't know. Like, somebody, look, look. Anyway, so yeah, last season, right? You have uh, so I'm uh, just distracted by Dom looking at pictures of Timothy Chalamet. Mother, story. I mean, God, I, I don't get pretty. it. He's pretty. He's pretty. He's pretty. I don't get it. Um, call me by your name. He's just pretty. Great actor. Um, anyway, Mother of Dragons, white woman, wants to be the savior of the world, release all of the slaves, um, but then gets this army of horse riding people of color, the Dothraki, and basically in the last season when they have to go up against the White Walkers, like <laughs> the ultimate villain, sends every single Dothraki to go fight the White Walkers, like sacrificing her entire army so that she can get on the throne ultimately. And uh, yeah, I'd say biggest disappointment <laughs> in a white woman I've ever had. <laughs> I think the thing about <laughs> white savior truth, this is such a chaotic segment and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing about white savior troops is kind of how some groups want to have it both ways. Why are you complaining? What like, oh come on, it's just it's just it's just theater, it's just acting. But I remember writing a whole ass article a couple of years ago because you remember when <laughs> Do you remember when Jamie Oliver came out with Punchy Jerk Rice? Yeah, <laughs> I did. That shit was nasty. But if you remember, there was this thing of, oh, come on, it's 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 appreciation, not appropriation, and da da. And I remember kind of doing this whole kind of comparison of films where you had white people playing uh, non-white roles, and how it often led to like award nominations. Perhaps most famously when um, Elizabeth Taylor. Uh, <laughs> Cleopatra. <laughs> and there was, and I, and I remember writing the line um, there was such outrage at the whitewashing that it uh, squints, uh, was nominated for nine Oscars, winning three. Um, or when Angelina Jolie played a uh, Afro Cuban uh, journalist, uh, Marianne Pearl, 
um, and there was no outrage. And then I kind of compared that to when um, Noma uh, Dumaswani played Hermione in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, and you saw the What's awfulness of that. Mind? Or what about, what was the name of the actress that played uh, Rue in The Hunger Games? And, oh. Oh, so, so they they made her whole district be full of, <laughs> I nearly said something terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> full, of, full of people of color. And, and again, if you look at what it said online, uh, you had comments like, ooh, Rue is black, I'm not watching. Okay, call me racist, but when I found out Rue was black, her death wasn't as sad. Uh, hashtag I hate myself. Um, and all of these stuff. <laughs> what? Um, but, but, but then, you know, you've got Joseph Fiennes is playing Michael Jackson, no problem. Um, and you've got, ex do you remember Exodus Gods and Kings? <laughs> it was oh led by Christian God. Bale. But it did lead to the greatest quote ever and i'm gonna if i ever get a tattoo i will have this this tattooed on it um there was a load of outrage uh, of the casting and R ridley scott came out in defense and said I, and i quote i can't mount a film of this budget where i have to rely on tax rebates in spain and say that my lead actor is mohammed so-and-so from such and such <laughs> <laughs> but and so this is the thing is like we live in this we live in this very polarized time we talk about this all the time one of the kind of reasons for this podcast is to try and deliver some nuance it's not it doesn't have to be everyday beef but at the same time when so many stories are being erased and they're being repurposed it is important to kind of have a line that is being drawn and by the way we started this with kevin costner i love kevin costner he's a great actor i love his films but other than like Phil Jackson and Pat Riley. He, he. There's no one that's brought more black people to a promised land than him, and and it's that thing of like it doesn't it doesn't always need to be it doesn't always need to be that way. There's plenty plenty of roles, um, and it just makes me laugh because I reviewed um, a show called Juliet and Romeo. It was a it was Romeo and Juliet, but they'd um, switched Juliet's lines with Romeo's lines, which was actually something that was very interesting. And I wrote this review about it because it was done by a youth theatre and Romeo and Juliet really should be done by youth theatre because they're kids, kids. <laughs> and, 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 and the lines slap a lot more when it's a 14 year old talking about it um, and, and there was a lot more to it but what made me laugh is I talked about it being really good and <laughs> I got this private message going you really didn't highlight the fact that they were black though did you <laughs> like did, 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 did I need to <laughs> <laughs> Did, and it was that thing of like, oh, because the the, the 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 insinuation was, oh, you gave it a positive review because it was a majority black cast. And you go, well, hold on a second. Wh wh where do we win? You put one black person in it, tokenism. You have a majority black cast. Why don't they have their own stories? Um, you have a, a white guy that is kind of playing somebody that was historically black. Oh, there's no problem. Why are you complaining? You can't win. And... I'm just kind of here to say that for anybody that is getting mad at that, kind of like, and I know Dom will, will mute this, but go suck your mother. Like kind of, you know, cause you, you, you muted it when you, when you said it. Oh, <laughs> so, so yeah, anyway, I just think kind of it's, I just wanted to highlight that, that there is no winning. So there's probably no point in engaging with people that are getting upset about it. It all started with Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, they did. <laughs> but let's be honest: how how many black households got a white Jesus? Exactly. Mm. There we go. There's your white savior. Mm. I, the thing with it is, it's who these things are aimed at. There, it's it's all very congratulatory, like patting himself on the back, and they want people to come out of that the, the films and be thinking, "Look how happy I would be 
if I gave black people a chance. Look at the sunlit uplands when <laughs> when I when I put someone else first. Like that like I don't I don't understand who like who which normal person is 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 looking at that as a sort of positive outcome or a positive experience. Like who is the protagonist in Green Book? <laughs> Taxi driver, the driver. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that one an Oscar. Yeah. Hey, did, did Martin Freeman need to be in a uh, in Black Panther? Uh-uh. Did he have to be the one that did the final save? And actually, probably the answer is for a global audience. Yeah, probably. Tell you what. In fact, has everyone seen the new Bond yet? Nope. Yeah. Yeah. No. <sighs> I know where you're going with this. There's one part. There's one part in this where. There's a black character that plays a very prominent role and it works so well for the vast majority of the film and then something happens towards the end and I'm like, motherfucker, you've just gone right back into the other tropes. Yeah. <laughs> you did not need to do that. Everything was going so well. In my head, all I'm imagining is, shine your shoes, boss. <laughs> <laughs> but I like these chitlins. <laughs> it's a British film, but still. Mm. Yeah, but I think part of the reason why like this white savior trope is so persistent is because (sighs) controversial but true a lot of white people need to feel like they are one of the good guys and the white savior trope helps them feel like it erases all of the bad things that have happened like even in roots roots they were going to make all of the white people historically accurate which means they would have been just atrocious slave holding not caring people the the particular characters that they that they included in there the white characters and then they rewrote parts of it to make one of the white guys more sympathetic and have a heart i want to be more controversial i'll do do it super quickly this might be the last podcast by the way (laughs) um whiteness can't exist without blackness and the role of whiteness is to be that savior figure the the soul the obviously there's a famous there's a famous uh, book the souls of black folk but you can argue that to to characterize yourself as white historically is to strip yourself of that humanity and the only way you can regain it is by being a savior to the people whose humanity you stripped Mm -hmm. so when we talk about whiteness, what we are talking about is, you, you, if you found it on kind of capitalism and if you look at the original Virginia Slave Code, which is where whiteness was first codified, yeah. um, and you look at what it meant, it meant that you were better than the people that you had subjected and subjugated. And so whiteness really is soulless. Um, and I'm talking historically and I'm talking in definition. I'm not saying that Barry listening to this in Glentoran, you have no soul. I am saying that if you identify as white, that is the legacy that you are kind of tapping into. And the way you regain your soul back is to help the same people that historically people that called themselves white subjected. Um, that's a take. <laughs> <laughs> so Alana, when did you first decide you're American? <laughs> For me to even fix my, I said some outlandish stuff in my, my in this week. I was gonna say my life today, but to even fix my gums to say that took quite a lot of front. Like, uh, referencing 
um, White Yara's appearance on the Channel 4 show, is it unapologetic? Mm. Yeah. Or apologetic? <laughs> or, or, it's, um, there's Easy Mills and Yinka Bikini, uh, Yinka series, um, where they, you know, they talk about various different things. White Yara was a guest this week and he faced, or last week, sorry, he faced an interrogation about his Jamaican credentials, <laughs> which I'm pretty, I've seen him talk about before obviously with the character that he is you're gonna he knows he's gonna face that kind of um hostile opposition and fair play to him for keeping his cool but i mean i, I i'm gonna cede the floor here to to some actual jamaicans how did it make you feel dom it made me feel upset because we always try and do better and we always say we're going to be the, the better people in these conversations, right? And what I was thinking when I was listening to it was all, if someone, say I was born in Jamaica and moved here when I was three months old, like White Yardy in this example, and I'm in the office, 25, 26 years old, and someone says to me, when did you decide you're British? But I've lived here since the age of three months old. I'd be incensed. Everybody in the office would understand how, how ridiculous a question that is. So how can you be on big television? <laughs> Man said big television. <laughs> See, did you make it come out of him? Man is on big, big television. <laughs> I, Jenny, I don't get it right. Th right. So I've got an issue with this, right? My issue is broader because the white yardy thing, it's ridiculous, yeah? He is a white man born in England, but he's Jamaican. He's Jamaican. Just like the Chinese man and the German man. There's so many different colors in Jamaica. The motto is out mm. of many, one people. Mm. You are Jamaican. If you speak like what your white yardie does, if you know the references, white, he's more Jamaican than me. I might have Jamaican blood, but he is a yardie for God's sake, right? So to fix your mouth, to ask those kind of questions on TV and then ask, is he culturally appropriating? Appropriating what? What, what is he appropriating? It's, it's so offensive. It is so damn offensive, man. Like I honestly, I was watching it. I was like, my, my big issue is, I think that we've got to a stage now and it's been this case for a few years where you can be popping on social media and you can have a certain following and a cultural impact, but you are not in a position where you should be speaking on those kind of topics. You are not educated enough. You are not smart enough to be able to have these conversations. And I think they had the right intent, but my God, do a little bit of research. Like they were asking him, what if you've got a Jamaican passport? Like, can you imagine someone in the office asking you if you've got a British passport? <laughs> Well, there would be some hands running up exactly sides ahead. That's what I'm saying. That, that, like genuinely, like I was so let down because it's like we've got such. I say we here as black people, we're getting such great platforms to be showcasing the the breadth that we have as a people. And Black Britain is amazing, and it's popping, and it's thriving, and it's wonderful to see. So don't let us down like this when you get the opportunity. Don't let us down, and that's what they did on that show. What you've said is so full that I'm only going to add something light and jokey because that is what you've just said there is period. Look, I saw some pictures of um, like two, three generations ago. Somebody in my family tree is lying because uh, I'm not red by any sense of the imagination, but I don't look like my great granddad, for example. He, he, is, he is dark. He looked like this microphone. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. But my point is, is that kind of if you if you think about what Jamaica was even before the enslaved were there, it was the land of the Caribs, mm -hmm. and it was a holding house. And 
this idea that it was only kind of this almost like Harry Potter Slytherin idea that it's only the pure blacks that were there. No, there was so much abuse and um, children being born to slave owners who were then, you know, red bones and this is, you know, what we call them. And so to kind of suggest that there is some kind of authentic Jamaican face, look at Bob Marley, mm. who, who is probably the most famous Jamaican. Look into his family history. So yeah, like, as you say, do better, do better. It's I'm, mad. Yeah. It's mad. Like, like you were just talking about your family. I'm gonna at some stage put up a picture of my granddad on social media and look at his face and tell me he's not got Chinese in him. There's so, I think there's like 50,000 Chinese Jamaicans mm. and people are asking a white Jamaican when he, be, when he realized he was Jamaican. Come the fuck on, man. Not realized, decided. Decided, yeah, decided. That's it, period. Let's move on yeah, to the next one. On Dom, Dom, Dom said fucking it all. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I just want to add that People, I think, I don't know if it's lockdown that's made people too bold, but people just, yeah, people are far too confident. People are far too confident these days. You can't get slapped on Twitter. You can't get slapped on Twitter. <laughs> that's that's what it is. Like the like, bravery. <laughs> it's mad. It is mad the, the way that guy. Ugh. Everybody is now talking like how old northern white women talk to me <laughs> in person. Old northern white <laughs> How long you been here, love? <laughs> <laughs> what, in this pub? <laughs> Mate, I got it once. My mum was ill and she was in hospital and there was an old white lady next to her. She goes, oh, your son's a dish for a black, innit? Bitch, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't go somewhere. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, we touched on it earlier on. Um, Africa is to blame mm. for global warming. You specifically done, innit? Yeah, yeah, and I just want we just want a quick round table. What else would you say Africa is to blame for? Um, the global shortage of middle and long distance gold, silver, and bronze medals for the rest of the world. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That's true. I mean, if you've got enough money, they're buying in the Middle East now. The Middle East is buying up <laughs> some of that talent now. Some interesting looking Qataris. <laughs> How can I say that after the discussion we just had about Jamaica? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> really flipped it. I'd just like to point out, none, nobody on this pod has been drinking. I know it sounds chaotic, but the shubs is tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was... If I've got to be careful about what I say here. What was that... Um, not, well, not, not versus that NS10 v10. Yeah. Which one was it? Where it was, uh, you know what I'm getting. To. Whiz, Whiz kid. kid versus Vibes Cartel. Yeah, Africa's got to be blamed for the outcome of. <laughs> 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 like, I mean, I've got, I've got, and I love Whiz Kid. Yeah, I've got mad love for Whiz Kid, but ten tracks against Vibes. <laughs> I'm glad it happened though because it did spawn the greatest line from Cherwa ever where he was like, oh. Nigeria is the Essex of Africa. You're out of order. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Malawi versus Nigeria. You need to. Dan will take this tilapia and slap you in the face with it. <laughs> Choke them. <laughs> Choke them with white bait. <laughs> Death by a thousand white bait. Um, we need to stop saying that because as, as this grows. <laughs> I don't want that recirculating. 
There's 270 there million now. people. It's in. out there now. Anyhow, what else can Africa be blamed for? Be oh, you're going to have to have Jamaica as a safe refuge for you. So <laughs> <laughs> it's some kind of halfway house. <laughs> Dan, what else can Africa be blamed for? Africa can be blamed for me not being let in clubs on Clapham High Street. <laughs> <laughs> because some of those bouncers, fresh from Africa, <laughs> just not letting me in. Not letting me in. That was back in the day. I mean, it's been a long since we went as with us guys. Africa's to blame for that. <laughs> me not let me in a place I didn't want to go in anyway, but I had to go to. Africa can definitely be blamed for my ho shit antics. <laughs> I don't even want to. I don't even want a uh, description. A little bit of there. a drum beat. Ho shit, soon to follow. What's like Nick? Greatest place on earth, man. Mm. That's been. Black in a Box podcasts, some riff in there, as you might have noticed. <laughs> but when the vibes are flowing, the vibes are flowing. Thank you, Jello. Thank you, Alana. Thank you, and quick shout out to uh, Heckles for uh, holding down the community and giving me some free stuff. I said I would shout you out, so thanks, guys. Any uh, any more? No, that's it. Just thanks, Heckles. Broadway Market. Okay. Any anyone else what, to shout out? <laughs> Dom. Goodbye from me and from Alana's 20s. Come on. <laughs> we out.